Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. COVID-19 is affecting everyone in the country. Many people are facing struggles right now that no one could have foreseen. Layoffs, loss of income, isolation, others find they're working longer and harder hours with lots of stress. No matter where you fit into this list, one thing is for certain, we need peace now more than ever. That's why Pastor Lynn is doing a series simply titled Peace. Join us today for part two, Peace Should Naturally Grow in Our Lives. Here's Pastor Lynn. We're continuing in a series that we have uh, called Peace. I think probably the uh, reason for that is we felt like a lot of people uh, are experiencing an absence of peace in their lives, and I think probably the Holy Spirit led me to that topic, and we're going to deal with that for a few Sundays. I don't know how many Sundays just yet. Uh, We began last week by focusing on the the fact in order for you to have the peace of God uh, in your life, you have to be at peace with God. Uh, So the first step, if you really want to have peace, in your life is to be sure you make things right with God and you have peace with God uh, by having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first step. Uh, Now, that being said, this morning we're going to focus uh, along the lines of a a predetermined mindset that you know Christ as your Savior because we're going to be talking about the fruits of the Spirit in just a moment. So if you want to turn over in Galatians chapter 5, and uh, we'll look at some verses there in just a few moments. We'll start out reading verse 22. Uh, But since I'm so saying that this talks about uh, from the approach that you already know Christ as your Savior, and that means the Holy Spirit is living in your life, and He can produce these fruits that we're going to talk about, the characteristics of the Christian life that we're going to talk about. Uh, If that's not true of you, I I want to stop and ask you to do this. If it's not true that you already know Christ as your Savior, I want to stop and ask you this morning to strongly consider agreeing with God, because God says you're a sinner, all of us of sin. None of us can save ourselves. So I encourage you to agree with God. If, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, that you are a sinner who cannot fix that. You can't save yourself. And I want you to also agree with God in this, and that is that He sent His Son to die on the cross and fully pay forever the penalty of your sin, of my sin, the sin of mankind, so that when we trust in Him by faith, uh, you can receive everlasting life through Jesus. Uh, so if, if you happen to be wrestling with that and thinking about that this morning and you're watching on our Facebook uh, live feed, if you'll maybe comment uh, down below where the message is in the comments and let us know, uh, number one, that maybe you prayed to receive Christ. Number two, that you're struggling with that and you know you need to and you've got some more questions, uh, then please indicate that down below and we'll try and send you a message. Uh, You can also do this. Uh, You can email me and I'm going to put my uh, personal email address. I think it's probably up on the, uh, the screen, but the email address address would be this, Pastor Lynn uh, at day3church.com. Uh, Pastor Lynn at day3church.com. So it may not be on the screen. Let me say that again. Pastor Lynn, L-Y-N-N at day3church.com. You can send me an email address there. If you're struggling with what it means to trust Christ as your Savior, uh, let me uh, know that, uh, and I would be glad to uh, contact you and have more discussions with you. 
However, if you are a follower of Christ, if you're someone that's already trusted Christ as your Savior, uh, we're going to focus upon this today. We're going to focus upon what I think is the truth, that if you're a Christian... Peace ought to be naturally produced in your life. Uh, that's what we're talking about, that peace should naturally grow in, in our lives as Christians. Uh, if you know God as your Savior, you've trusted Christ as your Savior, the Bible teaches the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of your life. And because of the Holy Spirit being there, uh, that means one of the things he'll produce is peace. And we'll see that in just a moment as we read our, our text. Uh, Galatians chapter chapter 5, uh, verse 22 through 23. And uh, let me read that to begin with, and then we're going to unpack that some this morning. But here's what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 in, in verse 22 uh, to begin with. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no Law. So that's what we're going to look at today. I want you to notice something that the word peace is found there. So since that's uh, a fruit of the Spirit, uh, that means it ought to exist in our lives. Uh, notice the way that, that, that Paul phrased that uh, when he wrote those words inspired of God. Paul doesn't qualify the statement about the fruit of the Spirit at all. He, he doesn't kind of give us an out to where we can say, well, I, you know, I just don't have have the fruit of the Spirit. If you're a Christian, those things are supposed to be in your life. Now, that doesn't mean they're automatically there. It means you have to allow the Holy Spirit to control your life, to bring those things about, uh, more to be in your life. But, but it's something that should exist in the life of every believer. So by me saying that, it means this. If you know Christ as your Savior, you ought to be able to have peace in your life. You ought to be able to have the other characteristics that we're going to look at today in your life. No matter what you're going through, coronavirus 19 or whatever, no matter what you're going through in your life, you as a Christian ought to be able to have peace along with these other fruits, these other characteristics that we're going to talk about this morning. So uh, let's unpack that a, a little bit as we walk through this. And we'll look at some other verses to kind of keep your Bible close by uh, that's also uh, mainly in Galatians chapter 5. So the first thing I want you to notice this morning is this. <clears throat> I want you to notice the significance of the word fruit, the significance or the importance of the word fruit. In the very first part of Galatians 5.22, here's what the Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is... Now, the word he used for fruit means something that, that's produced from within. It, it means something that uh, is, is fruit that, that's plucked. Uh, if you think about a fruit tree, that fruit grows from within the fruit tree, and someone can walk up to it and pluck it. Uh, the root word for this word fruit also means to seize or to take to oneself. So it's telling us that the fruit of the Spirit, and the word Spirit there, of course, talks about the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, the literal meaning of it talks about 
breath or, or spirit or, or breathe. So you can kind of think about it like this. If you know Christ as your Savior, the very breath of God lives inside of you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, God breathes upon your life in the person of the Holy Spirit. So he's telling us the fruit of the Spirit is. And uh, the word is, is is pretty simple. It's a small word. But when you look at it in, in the Greek, the root word is built from means to exist. Uh, just like God said, he exists, that he's the great I am. Well, these fruits then of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit ought to exist in, in our lives as believers. Fruit naturally grows on a fruit tree. Uh, an apple tree is going to produce what? An apple tree is going to produce apples. And guys, that's the way it ought to be in our lives as believers, to where we ought to naturally have the fruit of the Spirit growing in our lives. I want you to notice that the word fruit is singular also. He, he didn't write fruits, but he said the fruit of the Spirit. And I think the implication of that is this. That means all nine of these, let's call them characteristics or, or benefits or graces of the Spirit, all nine of these characteristics of the Holy Spirit in our lives ought to be growing and evident in the life of every believer. Uh, he's not talking about gifts of the Spirit. He, he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, the, the word itself, when you look at uh, the way it's phrased, uh, instead of thinking of it like a, an apple tree, think of it as a bunch of grapes. Uh, because in a bunch of grapes, you have uh, each thing as a grape, but there's a cluster of several different grapes that grow that's attached to the vine. In John 15, uh, Jesus used that kind of an illustration. He said he's the vine and the, we're the branches, and uh, through our lives, there ought to be this, this cluster of grapes. These nine characteristics of the fruit ought to be growing because of our connection with Jesus and because of the Holy Spirit living within our lives. So, so think about some of the words that he used there, the the, the word fruit itself meaning to, to seize upon. You, you and I as believers, if you know Christ as your Savior, you ought to seize upon the fruit of the Spirit, these characteristics that we're going to talk about. You ought to prefer them. That's also part of the definition uh, of the word. We ought to prefer the, these gifts of the Spirit or these characteristics, rather, of the Spirit in our lives. We ought to seize upon them. We ought to understand the benefit of them in our personal lives and, and, and grab them. But, but guys, the, the fruit of the Spirit it's not just for us. It's not something that's growing just for display or for somebody to see. It actually ought to be something that's beneficial for someone else. Uh, go again to that meaning of the word and the definition. Uh, a fruit means something that's plucked. Someone can walk up to, uh, uh, to grapes, to the vines, and, and reach out and grab a cluster of those grapes. Or someone can go to an apple tree and reach out and pluck that apple. Uh, so in our lives as believers, other people around us, they ought to be able to benefit from the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It ought to be something growing in our lives, naturally growing in our lives, because the Holy Spirit inside of us, and they ought to be able to benefit from that. They ought to be able to come up and, and pluck that from our lives, and it'd be something that's refreshing and, and good, and they can feed upon in, in their lives. That's the way the, the fruit of the Spirit ought to be in our lives as, as believers. It ought to be something that is, that is naturally growing there. Uh, other people, I guarantee you this, would much prefer the fruit of the Spirit from our lives than they would the works of the flesh. And we're going to talk about the works of the flesh in a moment. The works of the flesh is not going to bless anybody. 
But the fruit of the Spirit in our lives can be something that blesses other people, that they can benefit from, that they can kind of spiritually feed upon in, in, in their lives. I also want you to, to, to notice the specific language the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to use here. He doesn't call these Holy Spirit-produced characteristics works. Instead, he called them fruits, and that's significant. These characteristics aren't produced by the law. These characteristics aren't produced by, by just the works of the flesh or by our own energy. These, these fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is produced by the Holy Spirit of God living in our lives. The, the word fruit implies natural growth. It implies life. It implies something that's coming uh, from within us. It, it, it springs forth from something that is alive. Uh, you and I, before we trusted Christ as our Savior, we were dead in trespasses and sin, but through Christ, we've been made alive. So from our lives, that life that God has given us, we ought to have this fruit growing, but it comes from something that's alive. Uh, let me illustrate that just a, a little bit. Uh, think about a machine for a minute. A machine might can produce things, but it can only produce things mechanical. It can only produce things that are programmed into it. A machine does work. So a machine might can, can, can produce things. Someone stands there and they programs the machine or the guy in the machine and they're, they're working upon the machine and, and it can produce some objects or manufacture some things uh, by virtue of someone running that machine. But, but a machine cannot bring forth life. A machine can't generate something that's alive. A machine can't germinate anything that's alive. That, that only thing that comes out of a machine is just works that can be done through it. But in contrast to that, you, you and I as believers, because we have the life of God living in us, instead of producing works, it, it's a fruit. It, it's life-giving fruit that, that God wants to bring forth from our Lies. Machines produce work, but it can't produce fruit, and yet we as believers can produce fruit. Maybe apply the machine just a minute to legalistic religion. Legalistic religion isn't alive. It's not life-given. It, it can operate like a programmed machine. Legalistic uh, religion can have rules programmed into it, and, and people might can be living their life based upon those rules, but it's not life-given. It's not coming from within. It's something exterior that's been applied. You, you and I, as believers, we've got the very Spirit of God living inside of us. We have the life of God inside of us. And, and that means we can bring forth life. We can bring forth fruit. We can bring forth the fruit of the Spirit that's, that's mentioned here. The Holy Spirit of God produces fruit from within the, the life of Christians. Christians who really know Christ, someone that's truly, truly trusted Christ as their Savior. They're made alive, and we have God's very life living within us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. And because of that, we will naturally produce life-giving fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit should exist in our lives because we're believers, and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us. Living fruit naturally will grow out of the life of a, of a spirit-led believer. It will naturally grow out of our lives if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us. And since the main topic in this series of peace, uh, 
I want you to understand how much more peace should naturally grow in our lives if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to, to guide our lives. So that's just a little bit about the significance of just the word fruit. The fact that it is singular, the, the fact that it talks about something that's, that's life-given, that, that others can feed upon. Second thing I want you to notice today is, is this, as we go on through the fruit of the Spirit here in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. I want you to, with me, notice the contrast of the fruit of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh. I think it's important we understand there's a significant contrast between what the flesh can produce and what the Holy Spirit produces in in our lives. The works of the flesh are part of our fallen nature. Even though you may be a Christian, even though I'm a Christian, we still have, the Bible teaches, the old fallen nature attached to us. Well, one day it'll be completely gone, thank God, one day when we're made just like Jesus. But, but right now, even though we've trusted Christ as our Savior, there's still that old nature that kind of wars against the, the Holy Spirit of God in our, in our lives. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, this is totally who you are, the work of the flesh. So I, I want you to notice the list of the works of the flesh that, that Paul under divine inspiration, wrote out in verse 19 through 21 of Galatians 5. Here's the list. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, <laughs> rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So in other words, he gives a pretty exhaustive list, but then he says, and things like these. There are a lot of other things. And guys, tragically, th this is true. Tragically, those things are easily produced in our flesh. Paul gave a warning. I didn't read the warning, but he warns people here, those that do these things. And when you look at the word do in the Greek, it really means practice. So, so if your life is all about practicing all those things that I just read a moment ago, if that's who you are, if your life practices those things, he's, he's saying you want to inherit the kingdom of God. He, he's saying you're not a genuine Christian if, if that's really what your life is all about. Maybe you think about a balance for a minute, and, and you put into the two sides of the balance the uh, fruit of the Spirit or the works of the flesh and see which one outweighs the other. And if you've got this uh, problem in your life to where the works of the flesh is really, really, really uh, outweighing the fruit of the Spirit, then maybe you never really trusted Christ as your Savior. Or if you have, you, you need to strongly repent of some things and ask God to give you victory over those things. So we're just giving a contrast here. We're, we're, we're stopping to understand that, that there's a big contrast between the, the works of the flesh and the, the fruit of the Spirit. Like I said, regrettably, our, our, car, our carnal fallen nature due to sin can really, really naturally reproduce all those negative things we talked about a moment ago. But, but you need to notice what he wrote in verse 24. Listen to what Galatians 5.24 says. But those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
So as believers, guys, we need to, to view all those works of the flesh. We need to remind ourselves when we're tempted for those things to, to be produced in our flesh. We need to remind ourselves as Christians, Jesus died for those things. He, he suffered on the cross for those things. And you and I ought to have the mentality that we have crucified those things. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, and yet I live. In the life that I now live, I live in the power of the Son of God that lives in me. So as believers, instead of just saying, well, I can't help it. The devil made me do it. I can't help but do the, the works of the flesh. Yes, you can, because as a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. And you need to radically have the mindset, I, I've crucified those works of the flesh and, and leave them dead and buried. So notice what Paul says. That's, that's the works of the flesh. But then Paul gives us a list. He lists out for us what is, going back to that definition of uh, the works of the, the Spirit uh, is, the fruit of the Spirit is. Paul lists out what is or what should exist as naturally produced in the lives of Christians because of the Holy Spirit. He gives us a list of what is, the fruit of the Spirit is, or what should exist as naturally produced fruit of the Holy Spirit in the lives of, of Christ followers. Here's the list that we need to focus upon and ask God to help grow in our lives. The other we need to have crucified. This list we need to ask God to generate all the more in our lives. The second part of verse 22 through the first part of verse 23, love Joy, peace, that's a theme that we're talking about. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, but before I unpack those a little bit, I, I want to point out, and I kind of alluded to it a, a little bit earlier, you, you need to understand the fruit of the Spirit or the graces of the Spirit deals with the character of the Christian. He, he's not talking about spiritual gifts he, he's not talking about gifts of the spirit and you see gifts of the spirit the bible talks about how every christian has gifts of the spirit everybody's got at least one maybe you've not found yours yet but every christian has gifts of the holy spirit but not every christian has all the gifts of the holy spirit and yet the point paul is making out here when it comes to the the fruit of the spirit is this all nine of these characteristics ought to exist or be growing or in the process of growing in our lives as believers. Whereas different gifts of the Spirit might belong to different believers, all nine of these things God wants to bring about in our lives through the Holy Spirit of God living in us. So they are, are spiritual characteristics that, that, that God expects, that he longs to see in the life of every believer. This list is a list of Holy Spirit-produced characteristics to be active in the lives of all true believers. Human nature can't do that. Human nature does the list that we talked about a few minutes ago, the, the works of the flesh. But human nature alone cannot generate fully these fruits of the Spirit all by itself. See, only the Holy Spirit in our lives equips us to practice these nine characteristics or to have these nine characteristics growing in our lives. 
Now, before I read through them, I, I, I want to encourage you just a, a little bit. I'm challenging you, but I still want to encourage you. When I read through all of these, and, and you might be listening there at home and thinking to yourself, uh, man, I, I don't see some of this in my life. Well, since it's a fruit, fruit takes time to grow. Amen? Uh, a fruit tree, you don't just plant it in the ground, and all of a sudden, it produces a fruit. And as Christians, just because you may be struggling with some of these right now in your life, it takes time to grow in your life. And you need to allow the Holy Spirit to grow these things, to, to produce these things in, in, in your life. So let's walk through that, that list real quick. The first one is love. And that talks about a benevolent type of love. It's the agape type of love. You, you might look at it as a gifted love. It's not a, a love that somebody earns. Uh, God did not love us because we earned his love. God, out of his benevolent love, his agape love, he chose to love us. He, he decided to love us, and he supremely showed his love to us by sending his son to die on the cross. And since he has given us that type of love, then we ought to give and extend that type of love to others. Now, someone might wonder, why in the world is love listed first? I think maybe for this reason. Love is listed first in these nine characteristics of the Holy Spirit in our lives because all the rest of these are attached back to love. All the rest of these are kind of uh, produced from that love of God being in our lives and the Holy Spirit being in, in our lives. So we need to have God's type of love. The, the second characteristic that's mentioned is joy. And the word there means cheerfulness or have a calm delight. It doesn't mean you're happy about everything that's going on, but it means you can have a calm delight. You can be cheerful in spite of what you're going through, in spite of stay-at-home orders, in spite of the coronavirus, in spite of whatever else you may be facing in your life. You can have joy as a Christian because the Holy Spirit produces that within your life. You see, experiencing God's love that we just talked about <laughs> leads to us experiencing true joy in our lives. Because we know God loves us, then we can have calm delight in our lives. We, we, can be, we can be calmly happy no matter what we're facing in our life because the love of God generates that in our life. Now, I want you to notice the third thing, and this is our main topic for this whole series, the, the word peace. Love, joy, peace. Peace is the same word we saw last week. If you happen to see the message last week, it, it means to join together what was separated. It means to be at one again. And the point of that means this. We once were at war with God, and through Jesus and through his grace, uh, when we trust in Jesus, he, he makes us at one with him. We've been joined together with him. As a result of that, we can have quietness and we can have rest. So think about that word peace for a minute. Because you know God loves you. You've trusted in that love. You've trusted in the love he exhibited through Jesus on the cross. Because you know you are loved by God. Because you know you've been made at peace with God. Because you know you've been joined together with God. That means you can also experience a personal peace in your life because of the knowledge God loves you, you've trusted Christ, and you've been brought together at one with God. You can have this 
this personal peace in your life. You can have quietness and rest in your life, no matter what's going on, because you know you've been joined together with God. You know God loves you. You know you've experienced his benevolent, given love, which gives you joy in whatever circumstances you find yourself in. And that means also you can experience peace. You know God is in control, and you can be at peace. You see, when a person lives in the, in the sphere and the realm of God's love, he or she experiences a calm joy that provides inward peace from knowing that you've been joined together with God through faith in Christ. It ought to be a natural fruit, a natural characteristic of the Holy Spirit of God. Remember what Paul said? The fruit of the Spirit is. It ought to exist. So, so guys, as believers, that means this. As a natural fruit or characteristic in the life of a Christian is peace that's generated from God's love and joy in their life. If you want to think of a way to, to view it, maybe call it this, uh, call it a holy optimism. You, you are optimistic because of the relationship you have with Christ, because you've been joined together with God. You're so optimistic that no matter what's going on in your life, you, you can experience peace in your life. Paul also called it this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And here's what he said there in Philippians 4, verse 7. The peace of God, this is what Paul calls it. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. In other words, you can have peace, and you can't even understand how you can have peace. You can have peace in, in the midst of turmoil all around you. You can still have a peace that passes all understanding because you know Christ is your Savior. The next word that he mentioned there is this, patience, or depending on your translation, uh, long-suffering. That uh, word means to be long-tempered. That doesn't mean you hold on to your temper a long time. It means it takes you a long time to develop the temper. It, it takes you a long time to, to fly mad. In other words, you're slow to anger. That's the thought that's being given here. You see, the Holy Spirit equips us to be more long-suffering or more patient toward others. Now, now, guys, you've heard me joke many times before. If you've been here in services, when I come across the word patience, you know, I'll kind of joke with you and say, man, I wish that wasn't in the Bible. Because I'll be honest with you, I struggle sometimes with having patience. Uh, I'm thankful right now that Billy cannot turn the camera around and get my wife uh, in this as she's sitting over here. Because she could be the first one to let you know that a lot of times I struggle with having patience. And, and yet... If we allow the Holy Spirit to, to more control our lives, <laughs> part of doing so ought to develop more patience or more long-suffering in our lives, especially toward others. Instead of us being so quick to write someone off or so quick to be, to be harsh with, with someone, we, we need to consider how God's love and joy and peace helped us. And we need to allow ourselves to practice that love and joy and patience toward others. And, and that could cause us to be more long-suffering with others because we have experienced God's love, joy, and peace that ought to remind us to be more patient with others because of how patient God was with us. He also used the word kindness. The, the word kindness means a, 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 a usefulness, 
Uh, it's talking about a, a moral excellence in character or demeanor. It, it's talking about having a gentleness, a goodness, a kindness. Uh, the root word that's built from means to, to be employed or to be useful. And it talks about attitudes in both our actions. So as, as Christians, what Paul is telling us is this. As Christians, kindness should be a natural characteristic of our lives. Just like all the rest of the fruit of the Spirit, kindness ought to be a natu natural characteristic. We, we ought to be gentle toward others. We ought to have a kindness toward others that's useful for them. It's beneficial for them as we have kindness toward them. Instead of having harshness, they ought to be able to experience <clears throat> kindness. He used the word goodness. The word goodness means good as a benefit. Goodness as a benefit or goodness that is beneficial. So a natural characteristic of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers does this and enables us to have a goodness that is beneficial toward others. You, you might think about this goodness as love in action because that's really what he's talking about. As believers, we've got a, a natural goodness toward others that's, that's beneficial in this way. But because we want to be good toward others, we, we have a love and action toward them. We're trying to minister to them. We're trying to help them in their point of need. A, a Christian who is long-suffering and kind toward others, instead of writing people off, instead of hating people, uh, will instead practice love and action toward other people is the point that, that Paul is making. Which, by the way, think about this. Remember what our main topic is? Peace. Think about it like this. If you and I would practice more goodness, more love and action toward others, that's going to also naturally produce more peace in our lives and in the life of other people because we'll have the absence of conflict. Instead of being harsh and mean spirited toward people, we'd be practicing kindness and goodness toward others. So, so that ought to allow more peace in our lives, the opposite of what conflict is. He used the word faithfulness. The, the word faithfulness there is built on the word faith. It, it means that we've got a persuasion. Uh, we've been convinced. We've got a credence in Jesus and his gospel, the, the claims that Jesus had upon our lives. So we have, we have trusted in him. But the way Paul uses it here means this. We're to evaluate our lives, ourselves, and ask ourselves if we're really being faithful as Christians. Jesus was totally faithful, and he's the one that we're following after. So we need to ask ourselves, are, are we being faithful? Maybe it would help to ask ourselves a question like this. Am I faithful? Am I dependable as a Christian? Do, do I live in ways that persuade others the gospel is true? Can they look at my life and see faithfulness in my life and that persuades them that the claims of Jesus is true? Maybe you need to ask yourself this. Am I sure I've really relied upon Jesus for my salvation? Another fruit of the Spirit We've talked about love, joy, peace, patience or long-suffering, kindness, goodness, another one, and faithfulness. Another one is gentleness or meekness. I'm afraid our, our culture writes that one off a lot of times, especially guys, you know, because men, a lot of times we go around with the attitude that we have to be Rambo or we, you know, we got this macho uh, mentality. Well, well guys, we, we misunderstand, I think, what, what meekness or gentleness means. It, it means gentleness it means humility the root word means to be mild and the question we need to ask ourselves is this maybe do i use power or my authority in the right way don't think about meekness as weakness 
And, and let me prove that for you. If you're thinking meekness is weakness, then you're going to have to call Jesus weak. But because Jesus in his life, he, he practiced meekness. He, he was meek in his spirit, but Jesus was never, ever weak. Jesus might have been meek in how he responded to others, but I know of no one that was stronger than Jesus. For Jesus to face what he faced, for him to go to the cross as he did for us, for him to suffer and die for our sins. He, Jesus was never, ever weak, but he did practice meekness. A way for us to think about that is, is this, maybe. In meekness, that means as believers, we shouldn't throw our weight around. We, we shouldn't uh, assert ourselves in the wrong way. Someone put meekness like this. Just as wisdom is the right use of knowledge. In other words, you can know a lot of stuff, but it's not really wisdom unless you're using knowledge the right way. So just as wisdom is the right use of knowledge, so meekness is the right use of authority and power. To where we exercise authority and power in the right way toward others. And then there's another one that we might wish he had listed out, left out of the list. The last fruit of the Spirit is self-control or temperance, depending on your translation. Self-control, the root word means to be strong or masterful in a thing. Self-control means that we have self-control in our appetites or our desires. As Christians with the Holy Spirit of God living in our lives, we are empowered to practice self-control. Maybe we're not doing a good job of it sometimes, but we're empowered. If we allow the Holy Spirit to more control our lives, we'll be more empowered to, to practice self-control or, or temperance. With the Holy Spirit's help, you might need to think about it like this. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we should be able to strongly or masterfully control our lives in our appetites, in our desires, by allowing the Holy Spirit to have control in our lives. The, the main point I want you to get in the second point is simply this, guys. The main point I want you to see is this. I want you to look at the works of the flesh. We read those works of the flesh a moment ago. And I want you to see how empty the works of the flesh are when it comes to peace. The works of the flesh will not generate peace. It'll generate guilt. It'll generate concern and worry in your life. But the works of the flesh cannot generate peace. Works of the law cannot generate peace because you never, ever arrive where you know you've done enough. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the fruit of the Holy Spirit can generate peace because that's even one of the characteristics that's mentioned there. And as Christians, we ought to allow the fruit of the Spirit to control our lives, and, and we'll see how much more God's peace would flourish in our lives if we allow the Holy Spirit to control us. Third thing I want you to see, and then we're done this morning, is, is this. We talked about the significance of the word fruit, how it ought to be something growing there that other people can benefit from. It's, it grows naturally, life-given out of the life of a believer. Because God's life, his spirit lives within us. We, we contrasted those uh, works of the flesh and how terrible they are with the, the fruit of the spirit and what God wants to generate in our lives and all believers. But let's close by looking at the benefit, the benefit of the fruit of the spirit. <clears throat> Galatians 5, the second part of verse 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all the things we just talked about. Against such, there's no law. The phrase that he used there in the Greek means absolute. It's absolute negative. There's absolutely no law against these things. Now, you can look at that in a couple of ways. One, the law will not produce the fruit of the Spirit. The law can't produce it in our lives. But you can also look at it like this. There's no law against these Holy Spirit-produced characteristics. Who would want to have a law against all those beneficial, tremendous, great, life-giving things that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives? God surely doesn't have a law against it. He's the one that wants to produce it within us. The law cannot produce these characteristics of the Spirit. To be honest with you, when, when I think about law, and maybe you think about it like this too, when you think about law, especially in terms of the Bible, you, you tend to think about works, effort, labor, strain, toil. You, you think about difficulty, how, how you're trying to do that yourself when you think about the law. All these things are connected to works. And, and all those things are externally motivated. When you, when you just think about the law, the, the law is kind of given by God externally put upon us, not as a stairway to heaven, not as a way to save ourselves. The, the law was given to show us how far short we fall and how much more we need Jesus as our Savior. That's why the law was given. But when you think about fruit, instead of thinking about works, effort, labor, strain, and toil, when you think about fruit... I tend to think about beauty, unfolding life, beneficial life, naturally growing life. And that comes from within. Just like the apple comes from within, the, the life of that tree. Grapes come from within, the, the life of that vine. The, the fruit of the Spirit should come from within, the life of the believer, because God's life lives <laughs> inside of us. The law primarily deals with negative type feelings. Don't do this. Don't do bad things. This is off limits. Don't do this. Never do that. That's kind of the mindset you get when you think about the law, negative type things. The fruit of the Spirit instead deals with positive things, producing good things producing love in our lives, producing all the, the fruit of the Spirit that we looked at in our lives, producing goodness, kindness, peace, all those things that we focused on in the fruit of the Spirit, we, th those are positive things. You see, it's, it's one thing, and I'm, and I'm afraid a lot, of, a lot of people have misled themselves into thinking Christianity <clears throat> means you're just living by a bunch of rules. It's one thing to overcome the flesh in, in, as far as not doing evil things. It's one thing for a person to say, all right, I know I'm not supposed to do that, so I won't do that. But it's altogether something else to do good things that are naturally produced from within your life. Now, now by that, I mean this. <clears throat> Someone in the flesh might understand all right, the Bible says thou shalt not kill. So I, I'm not supposed to murder anybody. 
So someone might overcome their desire to murder someone that they really want to murder, but even though they withhold themselves from murdering that person, that itself alone doesn't fully display benevolent love toward that individual. That alone, they, all they did was just keep from doing something. But it doesn't display any positive characteristic like kindness or, or, or love or goodness toward that person. You see the difference between the two things? Christianity involves more than just spiritual subtraction. Being an authentic follower of Jesus is more than just taking things away to where you'll not do this and I won't do that and I won't do this. Authentic Christianity involves this. It, it involves spiritual multiplication in our lives to where the Holy Spirit of God is producing the fruit of the Spirit. Not just keeping us from doing things, but helping us do the good things that we need to do. The, the way we need to serve Jesus, the way we need to serve others, the way we need to, to minister to others. The fruit of the Spirit wants to, to grow those things in our lives. A legalist can do a lot of things, restrict themselves from a lot of things, and, and have a lot of man-made rules they impose upon other people. But where's the evidence, of, the evidence of fruit in their lives that other people are blessed by and that other people can be fed by? Because that's what God wants to generate in our lives. Christianity is more than spiritual subtraction. It ought to be spiritual multiplication. As I said a moment ago, from the Holy Spirit of God producing these things in our lives and allowing the Holy Spirit of God to lead our lives. Galatians 5.25 says this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Back earlier in uh, Galatians 5 and verse 16, Paul said, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And now he tells us here in, in verse 25, If we live by the Spirit, if we're allowing the Spirit of God to guide us, to control our lives, if we live by the Spirit, we ought to keep in step with the Spirit. And keeping in step with the Spirit, or depending on your translation, walking in the Spirit means this. It means we're not running ahead. It means we're not ignoring the Holy Spirit of God. It means we're not lagging behind. It means we're following after, chasing after the things, the fruit of the Spirit that God wants to bring forth in our lives as believers. It means we're to daily live our lives under the control of the Holy Spirit, which means this. It means also we're applying this word that the Holy Spirit inspired. We're applying the word of God to our lives and the situations and the challenges and the temptations of whatever we face in our life. We're supposed to keep in step with the Holy Spirit of God. The main truth I want you to come away with today is this. <clears throat> the main truth, because of the title of our series being Peace, the main truth is that, that peace should naturally grow in our lives as Christians. It won't be instant, but it ought to be growing. Just like fruit grows from within that fruit tree. The Holy Spirit lives in our lives. The Bible teaches that. When we receive Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, 
He, he comes to inherit, to indwell, to live in our lives as Christians. And we ought to allow him to control our lives. And as we do so, peace along with the other fruit will grow in our lives. I alluded to John 15 earlier where Jesus said he's the vine and, and we're the branches and the fruit ought to be growing uh, out from our lives. In John 15, Jesus also referred to this. He, he said we ought to bear much fruit, much fruit, not a little bit of fruit, but a lot of fruit. And by you and I in dwelling with him or dwelling with him, by, by staying attached to him, by allowing the, the Holy Spirit of God in our lives to control our lives. By, by doing so, we can bear much fruit as we abide in, in him and we keep in step with the Spirit. If you want more peace in your life, allow the Holy Spirit to have more control of your life. If you want more peace in your life, keep in step with the Spirit. If you want more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more goodness, more faithfulness, more gentleness, more self-control in your life as a believer, then you need to allow the Holy Spirit to control your way of life. And it's God's natural plan for his fruit to grow in your life to his glory. You might evaluate what you're doing and the motive of what you're doing to distinguish whether it's the fruit of the Spirit. Because even in the flesh, you can say, well, I'm going to really practice love and, and, and joy and, and, and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm, I'm just going to do that. But if you do it in the wrong way, and if you do it for others to see, if you do it for people to look at you, it may not be a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> but if you're doing it for God's glory... That's a pretty good indication that it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit of God wants to glorify Jesus. He wants to glorify the, the Holy Spirit himself. He wants to glorify Jesus. He wants to glorify God the Father. We need to remember this also. <clears throat> fruit is produced to be eaten. Fruit is, is produced not just to be admired, not just to be on display, you can go to the supermarket and, uh, you know, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll take those apples a lot of times in the process from the time it was picked until the time it gets to the supermarket and it looks like they've waxed it or polished it up and it's really, really shiny and really, really attractive and, and everything. But it's, but it's meant for more than just being pretty. <laughs> it's meant for more than just being seen. It's meant to, to be fed upon. And, and guys, we need to ourselves produce the fruit of the Spirit by allowing the Holy Spirit to control our lives. We need to allow these characteristics to be produced in our lives, not for us, but it needs to be fed upon by other people. Apple tree doesn't grow apples and eat its own apples. And as Christians, we ought to have the desire to have this fruit in our lives, not for our consumption, not just for other people to see, oh man, that's nice in his life and brag on us. No, it ought to be for the glory of God and for the benefit of other people. In short, you could just say this. Guys, in short, it's all about the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. He enables us to fulfill the law of love, to overcome the flesh, and to bear fruit. And if you're a true Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in your life. What you need to do is let him have control. 
You need to keep in step with the Spirit. Maybe think about it like this. Dance. <laughs> Dance through life with the Holy Spirit of God. Dance in your life. Dance through the situation of life. Dance through this coronavirus. Dance in whatever you face for the rest of your life with the Holy Spirit. Allow him to control your life and produce God's fruit in your life. And if you don't have the fruit of the Holy Spirit because you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not today admit your need for a Savior? Quit trying to produce it yourself. Quit living in the realm of the works of the flesh. Instead, receive Christ as your Savior and allow His Spirit to come and live your life and then dance with Him throughout your life. Let's pray. Father, God, I pray right now for those that have joined in today or those that will see this broadcast at a later time as it's shown through the week. Father, I pray you'll convict hearts and lives. And Lord, as people listen to this message or have listened to it this morning, if, if they begin to sense that none of these things exist in their life at all, because they've never, ever surrendered their life to Jesus authentically. And Father, I pray right now you give people the faith they need to say yes to Jesus. Help them, be the honest, help them to be honest with themselves in you. Help them to agree with you. You tell us all of sin and all fall short of your glory. God, help them to own that and be honest about that to you. And then help them to repent of their sin, to agree with you and turn from that sin. And Father, help them to turn to Jesus. Help them to turn to him and trust in his finished work on the cross. Give them the faith they need to trust in Jesus. Help them to surrender to Jesus as their Savior. And then, Father, indwell their lives be your spirit and guide them and produce these fruits in their lives. Father, for those of us that know Christ already, and yet, as we have thought about these characteristics of the Holy Spirit, this fruit of the Spirit in our lives, Father, as we went through that list, if we felt guilty or ashamed about some of the fruit not being as ripe as it should be, Father, I pray you help us as believers this morning to pray and ask you to help us. Help us to make commitments today as believers to Keep more in step with your Holy Spirit and allow your Holy Spirit to guide us and produce your fruit in our life. God, help us to have more peace through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor John is going to do a song of invitation. I pray the Holy Spirit's already been inviting you you don't know Christ as your Savior, why not during this time pray and, and, and trust in Christ? And, and if you do so, please comment on the Facebook feed or please send me an email to Pastor Lynn at day3church.com because we want to follow up with you and we want to help you. 
As a believer, if you need help right now and you understand that there's some of the fruits not growing as it should because you've not been keeping in step with the Spirit, you've not been allowing the Holy Spirit to control your life, then be honest about that as a believer. Comment down below in the comments. Maybe go ahead and call out whatever it is you're struggling with so we can pray for you. I have my own struggles. All of us have our own struggles when it comes to the fully having the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Let us know what it is so we can pray with you. Listen to God. Listen to His Spirit speak to your heart this morning. Respond. Maybe you've never thought of peace as something that naturally grows when your life is right with God. Maybe you realize today that you don't really know Him, but you want to. We encourage you to reach out to the Lord in prayer today. Jesus is listening and waiting for you to come to Him and receive His gift of peace. If you prayed that prayer with Pastor Lynn today, we would love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. We care about you and we want to connect with you. We're here to help. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstance and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.